Jay, we live on the... We are live on YouTube as well. <clears throat> awesome. All right, guys. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Train Like a Ranger live stream where we talk about all things fitness, nutrition, and military prep. Uh, I'm Daniel Burnett. James, Tony, go ahead and wave hi. Hello. And we have a special guest today, uh, Zach Allred. Zach, thank you for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, all. So uh, you guys reached out to us. You wanted us to check out Zach's channel. Uh, Zach has a really solid YouTube channel where he puts out some really good content, especially if you guys are interested in uh, Ranger Regiment and some skill development. So um, I, I took a look at your videos whenever people referred uh, me to you and you got solid content. Uh, I like what you're putting out and I appreciate you taking the time today to come on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, just, you know, wanted to start, you know, creating content, get my name out there and it kind of, you know, just kind of started falling together. So it's pretty, pretty crazy to, to hit, you know, I mean, it's not crazy numbers, but for YouTube and stuff like, you know, 3k in like um, almost a month is, is pretty quick. So yeah, no, you're, you're definitely tapped into um, the algorithm and the content that that is interesting. And like I said, your, your thumbnails are good too. Um, I was, uh, I was jealous about that. Cause, uh, when I started, I was making thumbnails and you, Tony can attest to this. I was making thumbnails on Microsoft paint. <laughs> That's actually why I'm here. I, I told him, I was like, dude, those are terrible. Like just at least <laughs> let me fix those for you. And then that's how I got brought on a TLR was initially that I was just trying to fix his very poorly ms painted uh thumbnails on all his videos <clears throat> hey, it works he said yep. he said oh let me tell you how i got a 4.0 gpa and the ranger mindset helps but then he it was like he drew with crayon on his thumbnail oh, I, no. know really <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the message was getting across mm -hmm. uh, hey einstein couldn't tie a shoe <clears throat> you know i feel like that's not true that sounds made up um <laughs> it, it might be it might be hey by the way they stole my shirt today Okay. We didn't plan this. Listen, everyone that watches TLR knows that I was on here first doing work before you even thought about getting dressed. Mm. That's actually true. Um, <laughs> hey, so that being said, shout out to uh, to Cameron. Uh, Zach, Zach, you had Cameron on the podcast recently. Yeah, um, yeah last week. Yep. Uh, he's a he's a good dude. Um, so this is uh, this is his company, Kit God Apparel. Um, so. Uh, Tell, tell us about the podcast and tell us about um, what it is that you're doing with the, with the content now and what got you into it. Yeah. So, you know, I got out of the army and, you know, getting kind of into the business and uh, I wouldn't say self-promotion, but like kind of stepping out into, you know, freelancing, like doing stuff on your own and like a consistent theme that I've been, you know, seeing from mentors and dudes. It's like, Hey, like money follows attention. So it's like, all right, you know, like, I guess I got to be one of those influencer people now. So I started an Instagram first and then I was like, you know, I've always kind of wanted to do a podcast. So I was like, yeah, I'll start it. I'll start, start a podcast and just, you know, talk about what I know, which is, you know, Ranger, you know, that's pretty much been my, my entire adult life up to this point. So it's like, I'll start, you know, talking about Ranger Regimen and kind of like my story and my journey and, you know, my adventures through it. And from there, it kind of just blew up. I, uh, I did like a, a self challenge where I did a video every day during the month of September. I was, I didn't have any plans, but I was literally like the night before, like, all right, what am I going to film about tomorrow? And kind of just flew by the seat of my pants, which 
a lot of those videos ended up, you know, hitting the algorithm, right. And, uh, I gained a lot of traction and a lot of people started coming to me for, Oh, you know, I'm going to RASP or I'm doing, uh, you know, wanting to transfer over to, to regiment from somewhere else, like, you know, asking me specific questions about it. And then there was enough questions to make like specific videos for like different aspects of it. Like what life's like, what deployment life is like, you know, stuff like that, that you don't really hear about, you know, outside of, you know, if you're already in it. Yeah. And as, you know, like I told you, like before, I, I love that you're doing that. I love that. I love that I'm seeing more people doing that. Um, you know, I think it's important for people here and, and it, it's, there's a lot of people who are interested to hear what, you know, guys like you have to say. Um, so you got a lot of, lot of, um, like a wealth of knowledge to share with people when those experiences and things are, they're on that unmatched. So, uh, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, even I wouldn't call myself like some, you know, ranger God or nothing like that. I was just, you know, a regular you know, fire team leader. Like I wouldn't say I was the best fire team leader in the company or anything, but like you kind of, when you're in, you have like this, you know, super, you're forced to have like a super kind of humble mindset and like not thinking your experience is worth a whole lot because like, Oh, I grew up under this guy who, you know, was shot in the neck or something. And so it's like, you, you think that you have like a, a pretty plain Jane existence. And then when you get out, you realize like, Oh, you know, like not a lot of people have done what we've done. And yeah. I, I mean, you're surrounded by dudes that are just, I mean, the best at what they mm -hmm. do. And I mean, there's guys, I mean, us as FOs, I mean, there's dudes that, I mean, there's one guy specifically that me and Daniel both know that was just, he, he breathed being a Ford observer. Like he was just absolutely unmatched at knowledge and skill and just like technical proficiency of the job. So I don't think even if I would have stayed in 25 years that I would have felt like I ever was going to be at his level ever. <clears throat> yeah. And that's a, that's a good point. You know, actually, whenever I, I first started gaining traction, I was like, man, I don't know. I kind of had this imposter syndrome. Like, I don't know if it should be me, you know, mm -hmm. um, because you, you are, you feel like you're, you're, um, surrounded by giants, you know, and, um, realistically, realistically, all those experiences were really amazing. And especially to people looking to maybe do it or just, just interested in what it was like. I think there, that goes a long way, you know, to impact people and motivate people. Um, so absolutely. I, you know, I kind of had that same epiphany over the years as well as, you know, we're, we're not, um, as much as we, we say amongst ourselves, like, oh, I'm just a normal guy. I don't, I don't really think any of us were that normal. I think we kind of did maybe normal guys doing extraordinary things is, is the way to put it. You definitely weren't, mm -hmm. you're not a normal guy for sure, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just like yeah. the baseline is like, is so high. It's like, that's what you get used to. And so like when there's someone that's really good, like you notice it, but then you realize like when you get out, like the average, when you get out is just like not very high compared to what you're used to. So you're like, okay, you know, maybe Wait, I'm, maybe I'm a little too hard on myself <laughs> Yeah, and should give myself a little bit of credit, you know, yeah, not so too much, like but like Cam, a little bit. Cam went to the national guard. I went to the conventional army for a little while. So Seeing that disparagement, um, we joke about it sometimes. Like the guy that you thought was just the worst ranger is so far and above like a lot of other people you'll meet, even just on the conventional side, just because that bar is set so high um, that your like slowest, you know, least intelligent private 
is is probably still would be grade very high in some other units. <clears throat> and I would say, especially in like the civilian world, the the jobs that I've worked, like that guy would be a dream come true. You know what I mean? <laughs> so let me let me sort. I read I read slow and poorly, but <laughs> so how we teach them about uh, strong and smart rangers. Mm. <laughs> we had a let's see, can I can I cover this? Um, okay, so. We, we will cover this one. How much advanced uh, CQB stuff do Rangers do while training? I mean, that's, that's a good question. Um, so what makes regiment and reg, yeah, Rangers so great is because is we're masters of the fundamentals. So you, you drill and you drill and you drill the basics of you're going to hit your corner. You're going to shoot your people. You're going to do your back clear. You know, you're going to, you know, clear the wounded and the dead, and then you're going to get ready to go to the next room. You drill out so much that that's kind of your focus the majority of the time. Um, and I wouldn't say you get to do any like crazy advanced, you know, stuff. I don't know what, what everyone's definition of an advanced is, but when I hear advanced, I think like, you know, hostage rescue, like you're just speeding through rooms kind of thing. Like you do get to a point, however, where you do drill it so much that you just get crazy scenarios thrown at you during, uh, during live fires that, uh, really gets you thinking. And it's, it's not anything really specific that you can, you can dial down. I would say it's just like being able to do and execute the fundamentals with your team without having to think about it. And it's, you just kind of enter a flow state where it's just like, all right, I know where my number two man is going to be. I know I'm coming up on this kind of this door, this, this hallway, like, I know what we're going to do because we've drilled it so much. And that's, I think, the uh, where it gets advanced is when you can just do things without thinking about it and doing it right. And we've said this before with, um, with anything you do in regiment. The, the, the main staple is you're going to be good at what you're there to do. The training is hammered in, um, I would say, out of most places I've seen in the military the training is is the big emphasis there so you know guys are pretty good at what they do um i would say yeah you're going to see a lot of advanced type training um a lot more live fire type stuff than you would typically see elsewhere a lot more funding especially than than what you'd see elsewhere so the training's really good you get mm -hmm. to shoot more bullets too for sure yeah, than yeah. Any, most other units <laughs> yeah the reps that you get like it's just it's just unreal like you'll shoot more in one shoot house you know live fire than <laughs> like an entire platoon in the marine corps will shoot for their qual or just you know over the course of their year yeah i remember getting tired of shooting you know yeah. like oh, yeah. shooting so much you're like how many more rounds do we have and we were just at bows i mean we didn't do anywhere near the amount of shooting that the 11b's oh, yeah. did oh it's <laughs> a lot and then you're like i mean usually and we usually like like to put a lot of effort into the ranges too so like we like build reactive targets with like balloons where you actually got to hit them like in the chest area to make them fall like the the scenarios and like the the stuff that we like figured out to like make the training a little bit more realistic is also where i think we stand out like we've developed stuff over the course of doing this so much that it's like hey like we have it a set like sop for setting this up to to run smoothly and to get the best training out of yeah, I mean, uh, that happens on like, I mean, I just remember specifically on our side, like, you know, I don't we didn't shoot anywhere near as much. But when it came to calling for fire, like I remember 
to try to, like you said, like just know the fundamentals to try to mess us up. They would send a ton of information at you while you were doing, you know, one call or one five line and you just have to ignore it while you you get that thing done and then kind of assess it afterwards. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, the Rangers are the best at the fundamentals. Being able to operate and do those things, no matter what the situation is, so important. Um, like, there was a, you know, we always joke, like, whenever you get sent to other places for schools, um, like for, for us, it was JFO school. Yeah. Uh, I remember that was the first time, because I was, a, you know, at the time I was a private first class. So um, every day I felt like the dumbest person on earth. Um, <laughs> and they sent me to that school. And I remember I was going through the Sims and they were like, they're like, dude, they're like, that was really good. They're like, you're going to be a lifer. Did you just and say something nice to me? I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm getting compliments. Right. <laughs> uh, and then when I got back, you know, I was back to being. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like piece that. Of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dakota Nellenberger says dads. Question mark. What's up, dude? Welcome to the stream. Uh, Angel Cortez is in the stream. Oh, what's yeah. Up, uh, yeah, what's up, Angel? Hell yeah. Good to see you. He said, what up, players? Angel, just uh, if you guys if you guys don't know, I'm sure a lot of you guys know who Angel Cortez is, but uh, he just went through a surgery, donated his kidney to um, his, uh, his friend's wife, which is... Wow. Uh, he's an amazing guy. He really wow. is. Um, so... I hope your recovery goes well, man. Uh, you're you're an awesome guy. Um, good to see you in the stream. Uh, the Hoggy says, "Big fan, Zach. Started watching your videos a couple months ago." Thanks. Glad glad you're on board. Charles Edwards on my side uh, says he loves the videos, but he's actually one of the one of the. He's a fan of yours and us, so he's actually mm -hmm. dropped your name a couple of times in our DMs and on comments okay. and stuff. So he said he's taking credit for this podcast. Okay, <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah, glad he's glad he's watching it live. We tell we tell people we we really listen to what you guys want and have to say. Um, you know, so so you guys have a voice here. If you guys want to see something, or we make it happen. So, um, uh, so yep. Awesome. <clears throat> Peasley says, what do Ford observers do? Like how much different are their jobs than 11 Bravos? Um, so I don't know how much I want to cover here, but our, our job is to really be attached to platoons and provide support through um, usually artillery or air support. So that is um that is really our job. So we move with the platoon, and our goal is to provide uh, extra kind of facilitate extra firepower through um, certain assets that are allocated to us. I would be interested uh, to hear like what you think, Zach, of foreign observers having been an eleven Bravo. I don't think we've ever asked this question because. Um, it, some 11 Bravos are different depending on how they view um, the medics and the FOs and the RTOs and all that stuff. So I would be interested mm -hmm. to see like how you view or viewed your FOs um, when you were in. Yeah. Um, honestly, like you don't really, you guys know, cause you guys, you were FOs, but it's like, you don't really interact a whole lot with them like out on target. It's usually like they're, they're attached to the hip to the platoon sergeant or the PL or, you know, whoever the GFC is. 
but a lot of the time like the ones that i've had we were lucky like they actually gave it you know actually cared and like would try to come out to ranges with us you know whenever they could and like they would try to integrate themselves with the platoon as much as possible and then on deployments like they would usually you know try and hang out with the rest of us so i've been lucky to to have good fo's in my time and i want to say it all of them were, were pretty good at their job you know i don't i don't know the specifics or not but um i personally you know i don't have like any vendetta against oh you're not 11 series like you're still going out on target with us like i understand like we need to have dudes who can talk to aircraft because you know just having you know a grunt you know a regular ranger dude like try and call an emergency you know air or whatever like that's not going to go well so like i never had any kind of hard feelings towards towards (laughs) y'all you guys are you guys are integral i always joke that uh that the 11 bravos don't really care who we are and they don't really like us until Mm -hmm. they really need us and then they're like, like, we love this friends. guy. He's been great for the whole time. All right. Well, this guy's the best. They're like, we're like, we're like the redheaded stepchildren, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I was, so I was with third platoon for a little while. I actually went and did a, uh, a team live or a squad live fire as a, um, just as an infantryman with them, mm-hmm. uh, when I f- was a younger, like specialist. Um, and that was awesome. So I got to go, I, I was just an idiot i mean i didn't know what i was doing in the battle drills <laughs> but i actually got commended when i was in there because they were like you did a really good job the platoon sergeant said you did a really good job he's like don't smile he's like the only reason you did a good job is because you don't know what you're doing and all you did was listen i was like oh, that's my job so that's yeah. I did. Um, <laughs> but yeah i always felt like they didn't care as much about us until they until they needed us us and the rtos the medics were they usually like all the time yeah <laughs> You got to be on good terms with your medic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, by the way, uh, you know, Corey's a, a good guy to reach out to as well. That's a medic we have in our, um, in our sphere. We've done a podcast with him. He might be interested uh, yeah. in doing one. So okay, He's a super good dude. Um, so yeah, you got anything on your side, Tony? Um, yeah, Josh Nick says, um, what makes regiment culture special compared to other soft units? Ooh, that's a good question. So I think the biggest thing is, is the fact that you can get into it so early on in your career and as a super young dude, like it's, it's a bunch of like fresh out of high school or like college age dudes. And it's basically a big fraternity where you get trained in the best, you know, the, the, the tactics and the, you have the best gear in the world. And then you go out and, you know, you do bad shit with the guys and that the camaraderie that's forged there and the fact that you're so young and it's such a, you know, a high level to where it's like, Hey, we could be anywhere in the world, you know, in the next 18 hours, like you, you kind of walk around. I don't, I, I want to say you don't walk around like feeling you're better than other people, but you do have a high, you know, esprit de corps, if you will, um, and a high sense of pride in your unit. And then, you know, it's just a high level of testosterone going around. So, you know, compared to like groups like SF where everyone's, you know, a little bit older, a little bit more, a little less, you know, crazy, if you will. Um, Not to say that they aren't, you know, badasses or anything, but like, it's different when you have a bunch of young guys in in the same type of environment. I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing that sets regiment apart. Yeah. Like I said, like we've said before, um, the culture is very hard charging. 
Um, you know, I, I always said uh, 20 years in regiments, a tough 20, <laughs> you know, um, whereas I see other people that go to SF and not, not detracting from SF being challenging, or you obviously you have to, those guys do amazing things, but there's a little bit, I see a little bit better longevity there because the culture is less hard charging, you know, burning the um, candle at both ends. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, but you know, to, to, uh, to the credit of Ranger Regiment, um, I think the guys there, you know, they what's unique about Ranger Regiment is they take guys who are young. You know, th that's one of the only special operations that'll take guys at private level and then bring them. It's like a machine that's moving and you just jump on the machine wherever it's at wow. and then you're going, <laughs> you know. And so um, it's a it's a great place to really progress very fast. You know, um, I did post a picture of my uniform and there was a couple of people who thought I was lying. They thought I was just making that up. They're like, Oh, it's Halloween. I'm like, you know, cause I said, there's like, you're a corporal and you had all that. It's mm -hmm. like, that's, that's what that place is. And that's why it's a great, um, really could be a great starter because you get all the things, uh, right up front. You get a lot of experience right up front. That's a place where you do a lot in a short amount of time. They only made mm -hmm. you a corporal cause you had all that. There's privates with that stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, I mean, that reminds me like of uh, we, we got blown out once and like we had a private show up like literally two weeks before. And it's like he, he didn't even have his entire riff issue yet. Like we, he was like running over to riff, like scraping together whatever they had to go on this trip. And it's like, hey, like we might be going over to do stuff like you're going to be on, you know, out with the men. And you have, you know, you're two weeks out of rest. We haven't even done any training events with us yet. Like that's kind of unique. Like that doesn't happen anywhere else really. Right. Yep. Yeah. I also feel like, I feel like you're going to work harder though in regiment um, by a lot than a lot of other special operations communities. Um, which is why it's probably one, if you do want to be in special others like special operations soft units, regiment's a good place to start because you'll learn a lot of that stuff. You're going to work really hard and then you can carry it into, um, you know, other higher tier units or even lateral tier units. Um, mm -hmm. And you'll have a lot of training and a lot of, you know, useful skills to bring over into that. Um, and it's going to be better if you do that than if you wait until you're 20 something with a, a degree to get into an 18X contract. Um, because even if you get an 18X contract and you're so young and ha don't have any experience, they're probably not going to take it's you. So, yeah, it's so rare to, to get picked up like straight out of high school on an 18x ray like a lot of our dudes a lot of dudes that i know like had an 18x ray and then like they washed out of uh they got they made it through sfas you know um but they like washed out at like a uh, small unit tactics or something it's like they just don't have the experience yeah it's it's hard to to operate at that level with literally no idea what you're doing mm -hmm. yep. i just got one in here that says um is there people in regiment who can't handle the workload and inevitably wash out? Um, hmm. I so, mean, you go, go ahead. Sorry, Zach. Um, what I was, what we like to say a lot is the selection doesn't end at the selection. Um, it's kind of one of those places where you're earning your place every day. Um, you know, so you, you typically see. Um, I would say 
with your initial RAS class, you see probably 50 to 75 percent, you know, over time. Um, so wash out um, for various things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it does happen. That's a that's why we say it's a tough 20, because it doesn't it doesn't just end at the selection, you know. I would say it doesn't really manifest as like washing out or like, oh, I beat up or, you know, voluntary withdrawal. It, it usually manifests as, as something else like alcohol problems. Alcohol is a big issue. Like that's, I would say that you never, it's very rare to see someone just, you know, go to their leadership and be like, I'm done. Like I've seen that maybe once. The rest of it's usually like lack of, you know, discipline and like we'll wash out of a PT test, like before ranger school or, you know, you know, substance problems, which is, is kind of sad, but it doesn't usually, it's not like you just can't handle the workload. Like you cope with the workload and then that coping gets you in trouble. Exactly. So, you know, we get that question a lot too, is like people worrying about if they make it or, you know, you know, how do we, how do we not get the RFS or whatever, um, which stands for release for standards. Um, a lot of it is alcohol related stuff. So, you know, there's guys who, you know, go out drink too much, or maybe they're not supposed to be out drinking and they go drink. And that can, that kind of stuff happens not only in Ranger Regiment, but everywhere else in the military and any kind of stressful environment. So, um, so yeah, you got to be careful with that stuff. You got to be smart. And um, if you do that, then you have a better longevity. Yeah. I think when we were in, um, I don't even remember what year it was or anything like that, but I, I remember there was a guy who showed up to work for PT in the morning at you know 6 15 and he was just blitzed like he was super drunk and they breathalyzed him and he like he blew it was crazy he blew like a point two he was like i don't know oh how he God. drove to work i don't know how he made it onto <laughs> onto post like the mps at the gate um but yeah it's 6 15 in the morning so i don't know if he was drinking all night or he whatever but like he just you know he just showed up drove to work super drunk and ended up getting obviously kicked out but mm -hmm. yeah the coping mechanisms, make sure if, you know, everybody needs to cope with the stress and stuff, but make sure you find, you know, positive outlets to that stress and cause that's going to help you out a lot. Exactly. Yep. I mean, you can, I'm not saying, you know, you can't avoid alcohol. It's just like, just, you know, be smart about it. Like, yeah, obviously, plans. you know, <laughs> you're going to have fun with happen. the boys. It's, it's part of the culture, you know, like I was saying, it's a big fraternity with, you know, dudes with machine guns. So it's like, it's going to happen, especially, especially where bet. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I, uh, so many times I went out and I remember just like, I, we were always smart, always got a ride home, but when we go out, like we, we partied when we, when we would go out. So mm -hmm. I didn't know, like, I don't remember always got home safely, always called something, always, always had a plan, but I don't remember half the night right? shout out to the <laughs> shout out to the cab drivers in savannah real quick and the uber, you know, yeah, the those, uber drivers the real MVPs. oh man the ubers those, the drunk man um yeah so Ubers. i remember like just talking to, with people like we'd be at the treehouse and it's like let's go to um the treehouse oh man uh, treehouse. it's been a while it's been a while so um what's that what's the other one social like let's go to yeah, social. social rail we just end up there the you know? gutter somehow we just knew where everything was and i went out there sober one time and i was like where the hell is everything i don't you know have, where everything was <laughs> it sounds like you've got the same thing as i do like i've got like drunk land nav skills like yeah, to where i can i know how to get yeah i know how to get from bar to bar like completely hammered like 
I don't know how I do it, but it sounds like you, you figured it out too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another good question from Josh Nick says, uh, do you think regiment gave you skills, a skill set that sets you apart from others, even outside of the military, like in business, school, etc.? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, people, when they get out, like they're kind of something you work through is like, oh, I was infantry. Like, I got it. I have to find a job where I'm carrying a gun. And so that like really like limits you to like police, you know, SWAT or uh, contracting or like security of some sort. But it's like it's the uh, the soft skills that you learn. You don't really learn. You kind of just because they're not really talked to you. You just kind of pick them up or like they're developed because you, you kind of like selection, like makes make sure that you have these at least some of these prerequisites, but like being able to be calm under stress, like being able to take risk, um, being able to be an effective communicator, uh, people skills like, you know, you know, being able to manage your fear. So it's like all of this stuff is like will play into like any kind of any kind of job, really. Like it's just a matter of like adapting it to whatever you're trying to do um so like the the intangibles that soft gives you because it's such a high op tempo and you're working with you know people with amazing work ethic um you kind of just become a well-rounded you know capable human being which is you know you can adapt that to really anything yeah, great. You know, and there's where I really learned how to be a student, which isn't isn't something a lot of people probably think about pre-military, but spent a lot of time studying in a way. Um, also public speaking, especially as like when we were FOs, I mean, I was given briefs as a corporal to the the commander and the sergeant major, you know. Um, I'm just a little Joe Schmo giving briefings to guys who don't look happy for me to be there and look like they're ready to pick me apart, you know? Um, so yeah, I, you know, that's really where I developed public speaking, um, skills and, uh, and that does transfer, you know, work ethic goes a long way too. Um, you know, even, you know, I'm still in school, you know, by the time I'm done, it'll be seven years in school. Um, and I, I would say, you know, that, that has really helped me with school. Um, the work ethic and, and just the mentality of I'm going to do whatever this is, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability with anything that you do after um, that, that really goes a long way. I do think a little bit of it though, is I think that's one thing that RASP, um, you know, there's a lot of physical stuff and a lot of stuff, but I think one of the things it is meant to do too, is, is make sure you at least have the capability to l at least learn those traits or, or possess them already. Um, because, you know, like you said, it's not something that you necessarily learned or they they taught you to do, but you developed it because of the way you had to train and operate in the environment. I mean, I've mentioned it a couple of times. I showed up on my first day and they said, here's your day one binder. This binder is like this thick and it's like, this is all the information <laughs> you need to know by tomorrow. And I, 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 <laughs> I was like, like oh, all right, no. here we go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the amount of studying, like you said, you don't think about it, but I mean... The amount of learning that I did is, you know, a lot of information that's not very helpful to me now. Um, but, but, but the amount Making of learning some of it relevant, crazy. you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Got anything on YouTube? Um, I'm just talking. I got to read them. Hold on. Um, you can read faster than me, so that's good. That's true. 
All right. Uh, JPR says, Zach, you've mentioned if you stayed in the army, your next step would have been to try out for an SMU, which you said was a huge gamble. Uh, would it have been CAG or RRC? And why would you have picked that particular one? I probably would have uh, tried out for CAG um, only because I didn't know a whole lot about RRC. But as I've gotten out of like learned a little bit more, it's like, oh, man, that might have might have been the move, honestly, just from what I've heard about dudes that have, uh, you know, done it. Um, but I grew up like before I, before I joined, like I, I read, uh, inside Delta force, I read, uh, kill bin Laden. So it's like, I kind of knew a lot about, you know, Delta and I was like, all right, that would be the next logical move for me. And so did you do, um, did you do one enlistment? I did, uh, I re-enlisted in 18 for like, I think it was like three years and I did an extension, um, to hop on another deployment so i didn't like into like seven years total six years in a in regiment okay i was just curious just because i remember because the option 40 depending on how you get in your contracts can be like weird length so i just didn't know yeah. if you had done one or if you had done two it was like initially like four years and like uh 33 weeks or something like that yeah something weird yeah um I got more on my end too. Oh, you're you're up. Yep. Um, Beasley says I'm on the running program right now, trying to get my five miles com- comfortably under 40 minutes, and I have shin splints right now. Uh, I don't want to stop the program, but I'm scared they will get bad. Any advice, Beasley? Go check out. Uh, I did an article on this on the website, so go to trainlikearanger.com. Uh, go to blogs and articles. I actually did a. Not only did I do a po- uh, uh, sorry, a article on it, but I did a video as well. So when you click on the article, the video should be attached at the bottom so you can read through it. Or if you don't want to read through it, then go watch that video. Um, I cover that pretty in depth with chin splints. Um, so that's a great question. That's actually a common question. We get that a lot. So, um, you know, that was usually a lot to do with your footwear. It, it has to do with footwear. It has to do with progression of training, which, as we know, the military doesn't you know, they take just anybody. So if you haven't, this is why I emphasize military prep, because whenever you train, you not only build, yes, everybody knows muscles, right? But you also calcify your bones, you build connective tissue. So training is important pre-military because whenever you hit the, the military stage, wherever you're at, they're going with the baseline, right? So, you know, it's good to be prepared. If you're somebody who's more sedentary and active, then you need to start getting a little bit more active before you go into the military. Um, so typically where shin splints occur is you have a lot of either repetitive training. Um, so if you're like running too often or you're not progressing your training right for your fitness level and what you're used to, that's where you see it. Also footwear, a lot of people with flat feet have that issue. So uh, we'd like to recommend checking your arches and also looking at getting arch support if you are flat-footed. I'm a little bit more flat-footed. We get questions on flat feet all the time. So I wear arches, um, also good footwear. You know, some things are standard issue like boots and stuff like that. Some things you have to wear during their initial training. But once you start getting more options, then looking at things that have better support. Um, and uh, yeah, strengthening certain muscles like the tibialis interiors, the shin muscles. So doing like some foot raises, you know, um, here's your leg raising your foot this way calf raises that's also good as well stability exercises balancing on one foot things like that um and then 
So where you're at, Peasley, just the long and short of it, work on reducing that infl inflammation, um, kind of allow some time for that to, to recover, go into more low impact stuff, and then progress your training um, as you look at those other things as well. So arch support if you need it, good footwear. So that was a big ramble. So um, anyways, y'all got anything else for that? Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up running track like before I joined and I, I did have a, a couple seasons where I had really bad shin splints. Like it, it was weird. Like I'd have it one season and like the next season be gone and then it'd come back. No idea why that happened, but maybe you can tell me if this actually like helps or not. But one of the things that our coaches had us do was like freeze a Dixie cup with water, um, freeze it, turn it into ice and then use it to like massage and like really massage the, the front of your shin after practice to, you know, reduce the inflammation and like, to help, I guess, reattach. Cause it's like the separation of the, of that muscle away from the bone. Right. Yeah. It's actually uh shin splints is actually like a blanket term, but yeah, I mean, that could be one of the issues. It could be, um, stress fractures it could be, you know, tendonitis. Um, so, but yes, that's one of the issues. Um, and, uh, especially with track runners running all the time, that's something that you, so yeah, that's, a, that is good advice. Icing and that massage myofascial. I mean, yeah, it helped, it helped for me. So maybe that, maybe I'll help them out. Yeah. Um, yep. That's, uh, yeah, that's good advice. Um, Jay, I think it's your turn. Um, I think it is my turn. <clears throat> this is a good question. I wasn't sure I was going to ask it. Um, so Josh, this is like his third question. He asked good questions. So um, a podcast or two ago, me and Daniel had a, a small debate. Um, but Josh wants to know, um, do you think Ranger School should still be a requirement uh, in regiment? <clears throat> I think so. Um, I mean, Grant, you, it's, you don't get a whole lot about it, out of it as a, you know, as a Ranger because you're not doing those types of missions. That being said, like you still have the possibility of doing stuff like patrol bases. Like there's dudes that I know that like set up legitimate patrol bases in Afghanistan and stuff. So it's like, and it's still a good gut check and you know base leadership check. I think it's still a good uh, a good requirement. I, I I will say yeah, leadership is definitely um, a, it's a growing experience for that. It's also a growing experience for just going through the suck because if, if anything uh ranger school gets right it's it's putting people through the suck um so yeah no that's an interesting point jay jay was kind of bringing up um well it's funny he actually said what i said but then said he still thinks it should be a requirement. my argument was that i think that regiment should um instead of doing cert should actually just run their own style of ranger mm. school that focuses a little bit more on our mission set as rangers because especially on our end as like medics and rtos and fos like that's none of what we do at all um because we joked about how some of the fire sport that you do in ranger school is just like not what we do <laughs> way um, different yeah. so i just i i think that ranger regiment could probably if they utilized you know some of their resources to to run their own for the guys in the 75th um you could Still get that gut check, but also um, have a little bit of honing of skills as well. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, or just make rasp longer. Yeah, we kind of said like, yeah, it's a, you know, the 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 reason we brought it up is because you know you have um, w we always have to explain the difference between Ranger School. 
you know, like, cause anybody can go to Ranger school, even Marines and Air Force and people from foreign military. So there's always that confusion of like, what is a Ranger? Um, so we always said like, you know, another option you could do too is, um, it's just like conversating, like, obviously we're not going to change how they run things, but, um, but, uh, you know, making the selection longer or, you know, having like it all kind of packaged in, but, uh, anyways, so Beasley says with an option 40, uh, 11X contract, you have a better chance of getting 11 Bravo or, oh, thank you. I'm very happy to pass this question to you. Um, with an option 40, <laughs> everybody's always worried about getting uh, 11 Charlie, Charlie long, yeah. long and short. So can you explain Reddit to Charlie. us that, that process? And, um, you know, if they also want to know, is it an equal experience between, um, uh, the, not Peasley's specific question, but we always get like, do 11 Charlies get as much experience or I guess action is the do way they cool put stuff. it as yeah. 11 Bravos. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to answer this. I get it a lot too. Um, so regiment has no, they're not going to have any control over what you get, you know, your initial MOS like that happens when you, uh, like towards the last days of the initial end processing at 30th AG where they're like, all right, everyone in this formation, you guys are going to go to 11 Chuck, you know, boot camp, And then everyone over here, you're going to be 11 Bravo. It's like completely just random. Like it sucks, uh, unfortunately, because uh, no, I don't think anyone really wants to go in as an 11 Chuck um, just because they have the, the preconceived notions of, oh, it's not going to be as cool. Um, I'm not going to get as much action. Um, I've heard of one dude that was like, he was, he went through, you know, 11 Charlie basic, and then he got to regiment and for some reason, like they didn't have his MOS on his paperwork. And he's like, yeah, I'm 11 Bravo. <laughs> and so he got, he got sent to the line. Um, but that's, that's kind of hard to pull off. Um, you, I mean, maybe that, that might give people some ideas, but usually like, because there aren't that many 11 trucks in, in regiment in battalion. Like they usually know how many dudes they're they're getting from RASP from each RASP class. Um, so as far as like, you know, which one you're gonna get, luck of the draw. It's random, it sucks. Um that being said, don't let that discourage you because as an 11 Chuck in regiment, you do get to do some pretty cool stuff, at least for the the 11 Chucks that I knew while I was in, like they were they were going out in Syria and doing some pretty hardcore, hardcore motoring, you know, 2017, 2018. Like they got to go out and do some pretty cool missions um, that the rest of, you know, I mean, they, they went to a contingent of, you know, regular line dudes, but they got utilized in a pretty unique way in a way that no one else really in the army, except for, I think some SF teams um, got utilized. So you also get attached to your, you know, as, as a 60 team, um, at least you'll get attached to a, a platoon when you go overseas and during like larger live fires, so like platoon sizing up, like you're going to be out, you know, doing your mortar things alongside the uh, the other Bravos. As far as like training, what that looks like, not honestly entirely too sure. I know that they do spend most of their time on mortar ranges, um, but I know that they do get to shoot um, on flat ranges and do uh, regular, you know, ranger stuff. I do know that they do get, get to do some CQB. You're not going to do as much of it as you would in 11 Bravo, but you still get exposure to it. Yeah. You're going to be working with us a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. In my experience with Wonder Man is they were very hard charging. Um, they had a, 
that had a very unique culture. Um, some of our good friends <laughs> were mortars, and uh, you were also you were always a little sketched out when you were going to hang out with the mortars. You know? Oh man! Um, so it is. Yeah, it is a harder. I would say it is harder to show up as a new mortarman. I think just some of the stories that I heard from the eleven chucks that were in my class, my RAS class, and then they went over, and I just heard the horror stories. I'm like, man, I'm kind of glad that I didn't go there, but that's all kind of you know toned down a bit with the progression of the modern yeah. military. So, no matter how bad your day was, a little part of you always said, you know, at least I'm not an eleven Charlie, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is hard. It is a hard life, but it is it is rewarding in its own right. So. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too concerned with it. I think that the majority of people that get pushed out through infantry basic get 11 Bravo anyways. So. All right, Jay, I think it's just you. Um, okay. Uh, Josh Nick says, um, I'll refine the question after I ask it. Do the 13 Foxes have to travel more than 11 Bravos in regiment to get to areas where they can do casts? So we actually did a lot of traveling. I'm not sure, uh, Zach, how much traveling did you guys do uh, during the training cycle to do any of your? I know because we had so many ranges. Uh, right, you guys there got like qualifications, and I mean, you guys have to go out and do, like your your calls every year and stuff too. So I think you guys probably get a little bit more TDY than your regular your line guys might. Yeah, um, I would say yeah, safe to say. Yeah, um, we would probably go like max twice a year to different. Uh, off you know off off post training sites so like we'd go to occasionally we'd go to polk and like occasionally we'd go to like knox or uh campbell and do uh do live fires out there like fmps and uh we went up to delonaga i think once um in, in 16 um, but it's usually not a whole lot it's usually like localized um i mean you're still traveling because it's fort stewart for first battalion so we got yeah. about a 40 minute drive 40 minute to an hour drive, depending on what range you're doing, but um, you're not doing a whole lot, I would say, unless you are in a, uh, in a specialty platoon, you are going to a lot of extra schools, or if you are, uh, you know, you get to go to like an extra school, like sniper school or, or dive, which isn't that common. Yeah, I don't even know what the snipers or canine dudes do almost ever. Canine yeah, um, gets a lot of TDY, I know that. Yeah. But yeah, as 13 Foxes, we traveled a, a fair bit. I mean, Cherry Point and all the, all the stuff. And then mm -hmm. to go where the cast was to work with some of the Air Force guys. Um, yeah, we traveled. We TDY'd a lot. Yeah, and you get a lot of exposure to, to working with different people. Air Force pilots, Navy pilots, Marine pilots. Pretty much all, all the branches, definitely in the Army. You got the 160th we work with a lot. Um, that's always real fun to work with those guys. Um, so yeah, it was cool in that way. A lot of travel, I would say that we got to do a lot of travel. Um, but yeah, in first bat, we, even when we just did normal training, we always had to drive, you know, more to where the training grounds were at Fort Stewart. I just like, anytime I pass a loves gas station, I just think about <laughs> yeah. that drive to Fort Stewart where we'd all stop in the loves and get your, it was like the last like little bit of humanity before you were going in for, for a couple days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and when we talked about the pros and cons of being at different places, that was that was one for the many pros of Savannah. That was um, that was one of the cons was that we always have to outsource our training, which um, sometimes makes for longer longer days and stuff like that. So you know, we always say there's pros and cons to everywhere that you go. Um, 
you know, or somewhere like third. One pro is that pros, but <laughs> <laughs> the trading's close by. Great, uh, it's down the road. Yeah. yeah, we always joke about third, and yeah, not not wanting to go to third. Second or first for sure. Mm-hmm. I think you're up, Daniel. I am. Um, I do not envy you having to scroll through the Instagram side. Yeah, I got it down. I don't click off anymore. Touch screens. Like sometimes I'll touch too high. And, oh. Okay. Um, let me think of how to word this question. All right. So I guess since we talked about pros and cons, this guy wants to know, uh, we don't like going too far into the cons. So, um, you know, we can touch a healthy portion of maybe, I don't know, whatever you guys are comfortable with, but what parts of regiment did you find appealing or unappealing while you were in? Hmm. Yeah. Appealing. Like you've got, a, a you know, like I've said before earlier, um, like a solid group of dudes that you're with all the time and you really get to grow up with them and get to do a lot of really cool stuff and form, you know, bonds that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Like, I mean, that's kind of the military as a whole, but I think with, you know, with any kind of soft community, it compounds because you're, you're there for so long. Like you don't like, like regular army is like you switch out every two years or so. So it's like, I was in the same squad for like three years. And then I was in the same platoon my entire time. Like, the amount of, I guess, time you get with your boys is like, is pretty unique. Um, I would say, I mean, the, the big con I would say, and it's really not that big of a con is, is probably just the amount of time you train is it's a lot and it, it can get to you. Um, if you are a good dude, like it is difficult to cope with at some points. Um, like it's it's a nonstop train. Like you're you're going, 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 going until deployment, and it's kind of a little bit of a vacation, and then you come back and you're right right back in the thick of it. So it it does get to you at some point. Yeah. So I said that was that was you know for me it was that was a place where you um you kind of live to work you know um but you know there are there is work hard play hard and and to your point like it is is very comforting especially when you're going to do real world things when you're needed to know that you're with a group of people like that who are very well trained and know what they're doing um that that was always very comforting uh to double down on what you said the con is just the the workload sometimes it is it, that is a again a tough 20 um you know some guys do it uh but some of the guys who make it 20 years there they seem a little off there's a little something off you know uh, <laughs> yeah. it takes a toll you know so I think my biggest pro was um, the like it's soft, so you can they can bend like the army rules like just enough to mm, to give cool. you like the proper amount of latitude with the proper amount of discipline still um, in like wear and appearance of your uniform. But like I mean, in the conventional army, I mean, we used to play football for pt in the morning so that you you're like you can't do that in the conventional army. there's a lot no, of stuff that you yeah. just like can't do that you you are allowed to do in regiment um it's not so crazy to the point where it's just like chaotic but they just they you're allowed to bend the rules like just enough um to make things just better with the cons though especially the, you young guys you're gonna feel like when you show up 
that you are just working all the time and doing more work than everybody else because you're trying to catch up, you're trying to learn. You always think, you're always like, man, when I'm, a, when I'm in charge or when I get some kind of leadership, like it's going to be nice, I'm going to get a break. Incorrect. Okay, all of <laughs> that training worse. you did to learn <laughs> is yeah. now put into like planning and all of this other stuff that happens at the leadership level. And also like as a private, only only worrying about yourself all the time. Oh, it Anytime was so nice. you get in charge, you gotta be in <laughs> worry about everybody else's stuff also. So you're not only doing your planning, you know, your briefings, you're also making sure that everybody else's stuff below you is also getting done and properly. So you think as a private, you work the most, you don't. It just gets more, you, you get more work to do as you go up the ladder. Yeah, when your dudes mess up, it's on you. Oh, so yeah. you, you, Then you're taking the yeah. heat rounds for those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, that's a good point. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's another, that's a good pro, by the way. The, the, what I will say is, you know, special operations as a whole, um, a lot less of the, um, how do I put it? Bu bureaucracy, maybe is the word for it. Um, there's a lot more leniency in, in certain ways, not in training, because you work and you train very, very hard. But the, the pros is kind of, for all that work, again, to play hard, you know, there's a lot more leniency in the rules. Um, some things are laid back, like the PT. Some guys are going to the gyms, you know, connecting. Um, and like on when you do your trips to train certain places, you know, you guys go and cut loose and stuff like that, where, you know, you go certain places in the conventional military, everything is very robotic and by the book. Um, there's a lot more leniency, I guess, when it comes to the um, – You guys got a word for it? Army stuff. Army yeah, stuff. Army, <laughs> army <laughs> stuff. <laughs> There's a little less of that. Yeah. But then on the flip side of the coin, with that does come a little bit more, uh, not necessarily strict, but like we said, the bar is higher. So I remember- You, you uh, not screw yeah. up doing that extra cool stuff. Exactly. And <laughs> I remember going up to a, a shoot one time to do my call for fire and I had wrote my stuff down on a piece of paper and I got up there and it was a sergeant first class. He grabbed my paper and he threw it away. He's like, if you can't remember your grid direction and stuff on top of your head, when you do a call fire, he's like, you don't deserve to be here. So like, I wasn't just allowed to write it down. So I had just had to do it from memory as I was getting the targets and stuff. So like the bar is higher because of that. And the bar is higher. You can't mess up doing those things, but you do get a little bit of that leniency, which is nice. And you get, I mean, you get to do, to kind of talk about the, uh, like the extra kind of cool stuff. You get, you get to do stuff that a lot, a lot of people in the army get to do. Like some, half my deployments, we were wearing civilian clothes. Like I was ro rolling around in Syria and, you know, a flannel and, and jeans and a beard with a saw on my lap, like doing personal security for some secret squirrel dudes. Like where else do you get to do that at such a young age? Like you get some, you get some pretty cool opportunities, uh, as a ranger so yeah i remember getting yeah, yelled at a couple times for my uniform uh like off camp uh mm. <laughs> that guy just like they were like that doesn't you, look right um you're not wearing yeah you're not wearing certain things and they're like they're like uh you don't uh, look where's like your where's your patches <laughs> like mm. yeah you don't know <laughs> it's a major it's like a major and i'm just like i when i got time for yeah i've run into that too <laughs> um all right so we're we're getting close to our time um so jay let's hit let's hit one more on your end and then um we'll kind of wrap up with uh um 
this is a good question uh, for you. We've answered a couple of times, but I like to hear your answer, Zach. Uh, John Poole says, would it be smart to get my Ranger tab and Airborne Wings before RASP? Um, That's a gamble. It's a gamble because your unit, because they're sending you to Ranger School with the expectation you come back and you do like two years as a Ranger tab qualified you know, person. And by that time, like there's not a whole lot of Ranger tabs out there. So you're going to make rank faster than your peers. And the gamble is, will you be able to make it to RASP one before, you know, before you hit E6? Because I can tell you right now, like if you go to RASP two as an E6, not having served time in battalion, you're not going to, you're not going to make, you're not going to get a squad. Like you're not going to battalion. Like you're not going to get that You're expected to lead at that level. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's an interesting and point. That is yeah. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's even if you can get to it, like if you, it's like I said, it's a gamble. Like you don't know if you're gonna get held up at your unit because I I have friends that have done that where like oh I'm gonna get my tab and then I'm gonna drop my packet and then they they get blown up in rank and then it's like they can't they can't go and do it because regiment likes to promote their own squad leaders like they're not gonna get some import squad leader like they can do it for team leaders and get away with it but they don't want a, a fresh squad leader like trying to figure it out you know figuring out basic ranger private knowledge of like how to run a ranger raid or how to do wash site it's like it's putting too much stress on the team leaders and it's just taking away from the efficiency of the platoon. So getting your tab and wings like beforehand is it's a risk. Um, I would say, look at your career, look at how soon you'd, you know, be expected to promote and look at and ask your, your current unit, like, am I going to have to stick around or can I immediately, you know, drop a ass pack? And usually the answer is no, we want you for at least a year or two. Um, so try to keep failing the board. Yeah. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's an option. Um, I would say, I would say if you're an E5 already, you know, there, there's untabbed E5s that go to RASP and and do fine. Um, it is going to suck for you showing up to battalion, but, um, I would say if I was an E5, I'd probably try and get at least my tab. Like they are, you'll get airborne after RASP. Like if you make it, like they're going to send you, it's not a big deal, but if you can make it work with your with your timeline as far as like when you're going to promote like definitely try and get your tab before you go plus but if you're like if you can E4, go to ranger school before airborne school you get a little bit of an easier time on jump days i don't have to do the jumps <laughs> <laughs> yeah true true uh, it's true um man oh man uh i just i remember doing those florida jumps dude and uh, how heavy the rucksack was, you know? Oh, that was the worst. <laughs> I did Florida three times. I like. Yeah, same. Hey, you did? Hey. Fellow, hey. fellow three Florida swamp anger, boxes over here. <laughs> anger tab twice over, dude. Um, yeah. Yep. I don't know if we got time for a third, or another question. Yeah. We're, so we're hitting Vince our time. Kick so, us off. <clears throat> so, uh, Zach, um, can you tell people where to find you and, and any closing statements you want to leave people with? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, the Zach red or my business page, Rockwell designs, actual, I've got a little sewing company we didn't talk about, but that's fine. Um, go check those out. I think you guys are going to link them in the description. Um, and then obviously my YouTube channel, which, uh, danger ranger, I think, I don't know how YouTube channels work with the name, but if you search danger ranger, I'll, I'll pop up. Um, yeah. Like, all of those hit me with any questions. Hit me with yep. all your questions um, about RASP, about, you know, post-military life, anything. I'm happy to answer. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Uh, really means a lot to us. So thank you for taking the time. And mm-hmm. thank thank you to all you guys for tuning in. Um, 
You guys be sure to check out trainlikearanger.com. We have workout programs, nutrition programs, merchant apparel, and as always, much more on the agenda. Uh, and you guys out there training, remember to train to your utmost potential like a ranger. Have a good weekend, guys. Oh, yeah. See you guys. See you.